And we are live for a new episode of the Electric Podcast. I am Fred Lambert, your host. And as usual, I'm joined by Seth Winchow. How are you doing this week, Seth? I'm good. All right, all right. I hope you're good. You just had a week with the EQS, one of the most luxurious electric vehicles out there. We're it was a good a week. Bit, yeah, I'm going to talk a little bit about it later on on the show. Uh, but first off, we're going to talk about a few Tesla news, then a few EV tax credit news, Rivian's earnings. And uh, then we're going to jump into you guys' as comments so you can put uh, any question any question or any subject that we didn't discuss during the podcast that you want us to discuss in the comment section right now. And we're going to get to them at the end of the show. Also, if you guys enjoyed the show and only if you enjoyed it, of course, if you can give us a like uh, or a share, that would be super appreciated. It takes a second to do and uh, it helps the show a lot more than you think. It's completely free. Um, also, if you're listening, we had a lot of great five-star reviews recently on the podcast. Those helped a lot. So if you're listening on your podcast app only, please do that. It's super helpful. All right. No further ado. We'll jump in. Uh, not a lot of uh, Elon tweets this week, but one that was definitely newsworthy was uh, this um, confirmation of the Tesla Semi del- deliveries or shipping, at least. That's a that's the word he used. We have to be precise with the words he, <laughs> he used on his Twitter. For sure. Uh, Especially since, since I assume that they were reviewed by Tesla's legal team uh, based on the SEC's Twitter police policy, uh, since that is definitely something that's material to uh, to um, Tesla and the Tesla shareholders. So he, he sort of he tweeted the um, his master plan part two, uh, which uh, was six years ago, and of course master master plan part three is supposedly going to come uh, soon, but the part two was uh, six years ago, and um, in that, that's when Tesla first, uh, me- or Elon first mentioned that Tesla's goal to bring uh, an electric commercial truck to market, and then a, a few years later, or a year later, or around the same time, really, the Elon Villa Tesla Semi, which was first supposed to come in 2019, but was delayed several times. We didn't know exactly when it was going to come. We thought it wasn't in 2022, since earlier this year, Tesla had this sort of product planning uh, update where Elon clearly said that there would be no new product shipped this year because uh, Tesla is going to focus on Model Y and Model 3 ramp up. Fair enough. But now Elon retweeting that said that Tesla Tesla 500 mile range semi truck starts shipping this year, Cybertruck next year. So the Cybertruck part is a little bit confusing. I don't know if he's also referring to his 500 mile Cybertruck. Because we do know that the Cybertruck is coming next year. Like this, the, Elon has been has made that extremely clear over the last few months. Uh, even more recently, that last week was it that the Tesla shareholder meeting where he said that the, uh, they are in the, they already have uh, production equipment that they're deploying in the next few months. So everything points to uh, production next year. But the Cybertruck, or then the Cybertruck, the semi truck is definitely uh, news here because we were all, everything was pointing to next year too. But now we know that it's shipping this year. Um, we don't know exactly where that's going to be. We know that Tesla, of course, has already been using a few units, at least four in its own operations. Uh, so we know that Tesla, as the, the truck already has been using it, but shipping would uh, imply that the Tesla is going to be shipping it to some customers, so customer deliveries. We know that PepsiCo has been waiting for theirs for a while. One of the earliest Tesla semi reservation holder ordered a big fleet of 100 of them, and uh, more specifically, the Frito-Lay, uh, Modesto facility uh, thought that they were going to get delivery of uh, of their trucks last year. Didn't happen. So I would assume that it's most likely going to be among the first customers of the Tesla Semi because um, they already have a mega chargers there. So uh, as far as we know, it's the only Tesla reservation, Tesla Semi reservation owner with a mega charger, which is of course the megawatt capacity charging uh, uh, station that Tesla is deploying for the Semi truck. So that's something to keep an eye on. Tesla semi-truck shipping this year with 500 miles of range. All right, this is something that uh, kind of uh, stole the news cycle when it comes to Tesla this week. Uh, and we kind of been beefing with that man on Twitter for the last few days, or at least I have. Mr. Dan O'Dowd. Is that how you pronounce his name, you think? O'Dowd? Yeah. Uh, Sounds like. So we reported on him a few months ago. He's this uh, self-described billionaire. He's the founder and CEO of Green Hills Software, which is appears mostly to be like a defense contractor, honestly, which is kind of creepy uh, when when I'm leading into what I'm going to say next, uh, because uh, he, uh, he's been on this uh, mission to uh, to destroy a Tesla full self-driving beta. He has a big problem with it. 
And um, I say self-described billionaire because this company, Green Hill Software, is completely privately owned, so we don't know how much money he actually has. But uh, apparently it's a lot because he's spending millions, multiple millions of dollars uh, on a, well, first of on the Senate campaign. But he made it clear when he launched the Senate campaign earlier this year that he had only one issue that this campaign is going to be about, and that's going to be Tesla full self-driving beta. Uh, he kind of uh, wanted to use the uh, protection of political ads to run ads against Tesla self-driving, like basically a smear campaign that is as close as it gets. Um, but he lost that campaign. Like he lost the primary by a wide margin in California. But somehow he's still running his ads, and he unveiled a new one this week where he, uh, he and his team, because this is based on, it's called the Dawn Project, where he ran, he ran this ad called The Danger of Full Self-Driving Software, of Tesla's Full Self-Driving Software, sorry. Posted the ad on YouTube, and the ad has apparently been running on national TV for the last week. Uh, so we, we checked the ad up, uh, and the ad in itself, if you just take the ad by itself, it's extremely problematic because the only video, where, the, the only footage in the ad where the Dawn project shows that they are activating the full self-driving beta. They are not activating it. You can see them pressing the stock and it fails to activate. The prediction line stays gray. There's no auto steer feature that appears at the top left. And then after showing that, they show the car uh, <laughs> running into um, into a child dummy. Uh, of course, that is uh, made to arouse feeling that gets a feeling towards people. We don't want to see cars running into children. That's just natural. But yeah, you can see this is a very provocative ad of like the car just running into children. But uh, if you've missed it, uh, where was the right here? So before that, you can see it activating right here and you can clearly see that it is not activated at all. Uh, so we are reporting on that. Not only we report, before reporting on that, we reached out to the Don Project, uh, Mr. O'Dow's team, pointing them out is like, hey, this is a, an issue. You guys never activated the feature, at least based on the footage that you released in the ad. And the only response that I got from them was an affidavit signed by the driver that claims that, no, no, I did activate it. So a sworn statement from the driver that says that he believes he activated it, which, which is not really concrete proof that the, the feature was activated. Uh, so a point... Especially when they have a, like a camera in the car... Like they could just go back and say exactly. Hey. So I pointed that out to them, and after I did, and I showed them like a screenshot of it that shows clear that it's not activated. They stopped responding to me. I called them up. They didn't answer. So I was like, "All right, then I'm gonna have to post this." Uh, then after posting this, they sent me additional footage that didn't make the ad, but that was posted online. So online, they posted this report where they go into details of like the methodology of their of their supposedly scientific test here uh, that included some footage that to their credit did show that they activated the full self-driving beta, but the footage doesn't match at all the result that they posted first. And it's become, it's going to become clear why in a second. First off. Uh, so I have a screenshot here of it. Uh, oh yeah. I have like the first video. Okay. If you can look at the first video right here. So first off, they remove the sound on all those videos, which is annoying because the sound alerts are actually a big part of the FSD beta. When you hear the, the specific alert, it's important. Like a good three seconds, three seconds before the impact. And, uh, and the big thing, the big thing that shows that this footage has nothing to do with actual, um, the, the actual result of the, uh, of the, that they released in their supposedly three tests where they hit the, the target is that it clearly hits the target at, uh, we don't, right here. At, this is 16, well, let's, let's say 17, just to be sure, it's even before we can see the target. At 17 miles per hour, even though the result clearly showed that they hit the target at 24, 27, and 25, so not even close to what they're talking about here. Um, so I pointed that out to, to them, and uh, they couldn't explain why either. Couldn't explain why the FSD beta wasn't activated in the ad, couldn't explain why the footage doesn't match the actual result. Um, then Mr. Odell went on Twitter to call me out saying that he wants a retraction and an no, he demands a retraction and apology, which I graciously said that I would supply right away as long as he can explain to me why in the ad it shows FSD beta not activated. 
why there is also, yeah, something I haven't mentioned yet. Right here, you see an alert here. And for some reason, even though in the actual footage, you can see that the has, uh, I don't know if you can see it here. You can see like the, uh, you can see him a little bit right here, but the, there's a giant camera here. Like it's, it's, it's not, it's not like a film with a flip phone or anything like that. But for some reason, that's the camera that from inside that you see the screen, the resolution is so poor that you cannot actually read the warning here. And a lot of people have speculated the warning says that uh, the accelerator pedal is pressed and therefore the EAB won't activate. I don't know that to be true, honestly. We, we would need to know exactly like a, a higher resolution footage to, to know. Um, so that was one of my questions, like release, what is this warning? Because this warning makes no sense. Like, it, it, And if you look at the spacing, it does match pretty well the spacing of the when it's when you're on FSD beta and you press the accelerator. Or I think auto steer also has the same, uh, uh, or cruise con uh, traffic aware cruise control, I should say, has the same warning. So I asked that, and I asked why the footage that so FSD beta activated doesn't match the result. He always, uh, on several interactions on Twitter and on, with his team directly, they refused to answer those questions. So obviously, we didn't put the retraction in there. Uh, funny enough, even Elon, who blocks me and Electric on Twitter, retweeted the article in response to The Guardian. The Guardian uh, basically was the first to report on this. It looks like they, uh, they got the, the report ahead of time and they reported on, on it, but completely just believing the version of uh, the Dawn Project. And I did talk yesterday to the, the journalists of The Guardian that, that did this article, and he seemed to uh, understand now that uh, he... Uh, he kind of got got by the PR team at the, the Dawn Project that uh, he should have uh, looked into it a little bit more than that. Uh, so he, he did update the article a lot to make it a, a little bit more fair. But yeah, so the the way I see it personally, and again, we have to speculate at this point because we don't have all the answers. They are obviously uh, keeping the answers away. Is that at the very best, this is just a very unscientific test because we don't have the data. They haven't released the data of their tests, even though like yeah, there's this whole report on their website. The all, all they talk about the reports is that we had three tests where the dummy was hit by the Tesla on FSD beta, but they don't say how many times. The, the, what's the failure rate? How many times they run that test to get those three those three mistakes? They don't mention any time that they did anything other than those three attempts, other than in the affidavit signed by the driver Art Haney. It did say that during three of the tests, which would indicate that they did more than three and that three times they hit the dummy. That's it. So my speculation is that they, they set out that test to be able, with the goal to hit the dummy for the purpose of their ad, uh, which by itself, if you set out to do a scientific test and with a, a specific goal, uh, that's unscientific to start with. So it makes the whole prospect useless. But then that's at, at, at its best right here. At its worst, they run that thing multiple, multiple times. And when they couldn't get the result, for whatever reason, they might have manipulated the FSD beta to achieve that against or, or education of that or the warning sign. And also that the footage doesn't match the result, which means that they might have literally not activated FSD when they hit them. It's, it's terrible. Right. So either way. Completely useless test that run. And the, the crazy part is like, has this happened? As they release this, there's mounting pressure on Tesla's full self-driving effort because uh, Ralph Nader, is that how you pronounce his name? Nader Nader? Yep. Former yep. Um, presidential candidate. Uh, issued a statement when he's asking Nitsa to, to remove Tesla FSD beta from the roads. And then two Democrats, uh, representative, one representative, one senator, uh, the that sits on the committee that oversee the automotive sector, have uh, sent letters to NHTSA this week to pressure the agency to uh, complete their investigation. That is not really about FSD beta, but it's about the autopilot and the, how it has hit emergency vehicles on uh, on the road. So. This whole thing seems to be kind of related. It would be a big coincidence that uh, the Don Project releases that, and then oh, the politicians somehow are like, "Hey, let's uh, move on this." So, yeah, something to keep an eye on for sure. 
what, what was funny too that Elon retweeted that and uh, I mean the, this whole thing like all right like the Tesla fans like they, they love the fact that oh uh, we are we're defending Tesla FSD beta in this and everything and I'm, we're definitely are defending against what we see as a, a horrible representation of it through this test but also everyone especially if you've been following the podcast you know I'm not a giant fan of FSD beta myself and I've been pretty critical of it and I've famously called it a 14-year-old who has been learning to drive for a week and sometimes appear to consume hard drugs. And I did PCP. Yeah, and I did mention that <laughs> in the article. So I don't know if Elon actually read the whole article because if he did, I'm not sure he would have retweeted that. But then on the other side, so the people that have been like defending uh, O'Dowd, they've been using that as like, oh, you're just like a, a Tesla super fan that's trying to defend FSD. I'm far from that. Like, uh, I mean, I'm a fan of Tesla for sure, but FSD beta, I'm not the biggest fan of. Though I did also say, like, to be fair to Tesla team, uh, you could give me a billion dollar and a thousand year, and I couldn't get a car to drive like a 14 years old on drug. So, like, it's still in its own way impressive. I don't know if it should be necessarily on the road, but uh, nonetheless, it's it's an impressive thing to do. All right, moving on. This is something that we've been talking about for weeks, if not months now. And people are always skeptical when I say that Tesla is looking at the location for a factory in Canada. It is, and it is this. And like people are like, yeah, it's just conjunction or at this for conjuncture, conjunction, conjuncture, conjuncture. conjuncture. Uh, at this point, but now it's confirmed uh, thanks to our friend at Electric Autonomy Canada that uh, look at the lobbying disclosure for Tesla. Uh, and the because um, in I don't know how it is in the U.S. I know you guys have a very strong lobbying uh, culture in the U.S. But in Canada, the, uh, yeah, right. in Canada, you have to, every company has to disclose any kind of lobbying effort with the government. So um, Tesla updated their lobbying effort, the lobbying disclosure in Ontario, in the province of Ontario where they said that they are engaging with the government, I'm, I'm quoting here, engaging with the government and its agency to identify opportunities for industrial and or advanced manufacturing facility permitting reforms with the intent to increase the competitiveness of, competitiveness of Ontario and its ability to attract capital investment to establishing approval timeframes that are competitive with high-growth manufacturing locations in North America, while also working with the government to identify and align incentive program that could further increase the attractiveness of Ontario for industrial and or advanced manufacturing investment. So if you want the quite summary of that, this is like, we are considering Ontario for our next go factory, but we want it to be uh, permitting friendly and also have an incentive package. That's basically what uh, they're saying here. And what, from what we've been hearing over the last few months, yeah, this is Tesla has been looking at Ontario and Quebec for a, pos- a potential factory. And they've been in discussion with both the Ontario and Quebec government for incentives. And it looks like much like uh, back with the factory, Texas, Tesla had Texas and um, Oklahoma compete with each other for incentives. And it looks like Tesla is going to do the same thing here with the provinces of Ontario and Quebec. And it looks like based on that specific statement here, it's going to come down to permitting. And I think it's clear that Tesla just doesn't want to repeat the same thing that happened in Germany, where it was talking this bureaucratic nightmare for like a year. So in Texas was probably that's why Texas won. And I think this, Elon even said that, that Texas won because it was so easy to just get things going there for the factory. And the factory was built at a record pace. So if you're listening, people in Ontario, in the government, people in Quebec, you know what to do. You just, you got to make things smooth for them in, in, in uh, the permitting aspect of it. And I think that's going to be hard because, I mean, I know less about Ontario, but I think it's very similar. Like there's, we have extremely strong regulation there to, um, to tr- especially environmental uh, regulation when it's, it comes to building. Also, it has to be in French, right? Well, in, in, in Quebec, it has, uh, it has to be, yeah. So if you had to pick between Ontario and Quebec, what would you? Uh, well, I mean, I'm obviously biased. Said um, no, but I mean, if you if you had to guess where it would uh, be if located, I had to guess. I mean, uh, if I go completely, I try to be as objective as possible. Quebec has had the lead in electrification for a while in terms of EV adoptions. Uh, it is the fastest EV adoption province in Quebec and Quebec and in Canada. But Ontario has been much better in attracting EV investment for production. Uh, and, uh, and of course, Ontario has a bigger history of uh, uh, automotive production than Quebec. Though Quebec has had uh, car factories before. Uh, Ontario still has and still has like, like there's a giant Ford plant in, uh, um, 
you know, near, near Toronto, uh, Chrysler too, I think. Toyota. I don't know if Toyota still has one, but it used to have a, a huge one. Hmm. So I don't know. But Quebec has nope. had like giant investment, especially in batteries. So the tes- Tesla could certainly get a big incentive package uh, for producing batteries there. And we know that Tesla's modus operandi now is to build gigafactories that produce both battery cells and electric vehicles. So we don't know. All right. Um, this was a little exclusive from the other day that Tesla is teasing new energy product coming this year. So I had access to Tesla's, uh, Tesla had an internal meeting for the Tesla Energy Group. So company-wide meeting within the uh, energy division, uh, division-wide meeting, I should say, probably. But uh, they discussed what they're doing right now to uh, speed things up with the, the energy division because things have been somewhat stagnant over the last two or three years. Uh, things went way down after the acquisition of Source City because the Source City was in financial trouble and they had to reshape things to focus on profitability. Uh, and that slowed down greatly the deployment of solar energy and, and um, within the the new Tesla Solar now. Uh, but things have been ripping up right lately. We, we we reported that the Q2 was Tesla's biggest quarter for solar deployment uh, in the residential U.S. market for over four years, basically since the acquisition of SolarCity. But they're not quite at the same level of deployment that SolarCity was when it was acquired. I think SolarCity was deploying some something around 200 megawatts a quarter. Tesla is now around 100 megawatts, so there's still a lot of catching up to do. And I, I'm sure that the long-term goal is to deploy a lot more than 100 megawatt, uh, 200 megawatts a quarter. And um, during the call, they explained that uh, on the product front, how they've been switching things up with uh, be- 2020 and before Tesla was using uh, solar panels from Henoa, uh, they were using Solar Edge and Inverter, and they were yeah, had to use different apps, the Solar CD app, the Tesla app, the Solar Edge app to monitor your own system. And last year, Tesla switched everything with Tesla's own solar panels, uh, the Powerwall Plus, which also include the inverter. And um, Tesla's own app has been updated to incorporate everything. So everything is now in-house. So in uh, 2022, and that was said by uh, Mr. Seth Winger, Senior Manager of Solar Product Engineering at Tesla, that now that everything is in-house, they are looking to update and release new products. Uh, And the exact quote was, in 2022, we are heavily investing in Tesla project. I can't say exactly what is coming. We want to maintain confidentiality, but across the board on PVs, as a solar panel, on solar roof, on power wall, look forward to greatly improve installation efficiency, aesthetic, and product performance. So we can explain updated solar spec, power wall spec, and potentially new products even. Uh, But... Yeah, we. Um, if you remember, just last week we reported that Tesla was working on a solar roof 3.5, so we expected that it was going to be among them. But now he, he also points to new solar panels and uh, updated power walls. So something to keep an eye on in the coming weeks. Oh, yeah, something else also on the uh, customer experience front where Tesla is deploying a new interactive layout experience. So when you do get uh, a project going with Tesla Solar, they uh, they're gonna have they're gonna through your Tesla account they're gonna be able to access uh, access a sort of an interactive uh, project layout where you can give your own inputs and uh, talk to Tesla through that interactive experience which we're gonna give you like you can tell for example very simple things like hey this is you see a map of your um, roof you can see a map of your uh, property and you can tell okay Tesla when you arrive you can drop your equipment here it's going to be safe here and it's not going to be in uh, in the way or whatever you can you can tell Tesla uh, you, you can test the different layouts for outputs uh, max outputs and things like that so this is going to be um, a nice way for Tesla to get direct feedback before installation and they expect that that new system is going to reduce post-permit redesign requests by 20% utility rejection, which has been a big problem for Tesla and has resulted in a lot of uh, uh, customer um, dissatisfaction by 30%. And the average end all time, which means like chatting with the customer about their project by 10%. So this is going to probably uh, really improve the workflow for Tesla Solar. All right, this is a sort of Tesla news. <laughs> Elon, Elon, Elon sold another $7 billion, almost $7 billion worth of Tesla stocks this week. So it's a big chunk. 
And um, he confirmed that he sold that in anticipation of the Twitter deal. So we reported that even though Elon always said that he's going to be the last one to sell Tesla, there should be an asterisk with that, last one to sell Tesla, unless he's trying to buy a social media platform like Twitter, because he already sold $8 billion worth of Tesla stock to uh, pay for the transaction. Of course, then he started to walk away from the transaction. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't know if he still wants to purchase uh, Twitter. You know, during the shareholder meeting last week, uh, he kind of made it sound like he wanted to. Yeah. Yeah. Well, maybe he's just trying to get a discount then. That's what a lot of people are, are speculating. But right now, it's all in the hands of a judge. A judge might literally force him to buy Twitter for, what was it, $44 billion? Uh, and uh, a lot of that is going to come directly in equity that he's going to have to pay. So he already had $8 billion in. Now he's taking out another 6.9 that he sold over the last week. Um, so a lot of money that put a lot of pressure on Tesla stock. But he did come out and say that if he doesn't have to buy it, uh, he uh, he's gonna buy back Tesla stock. So this this is kind of an interesting play where uh, Tesla investors are literally have a stake into this this uh, trial here that's gonna start in September, if I'm not mistaken. Where Soon. where if he doesn't have to buy Twitter anymore, he's gonna buy back like probably between I don't know like ten and fifteen billion dollars worth of Tesla stock, which is a significant volume here and gonna literally help the stock. Um, of course, that's going to be pre-post uh, stock split uh, too, so something to keep in mind. But yeah, <laughs> this investor literally have a stake in this trial right now. And well, yeah, the way he made it sound in the meeting too, it was like, all right, either like, if basically the trial, if he doesn't have to buy it, he's going to start his own media platform, social media platform. That's what that's how he made it sound. He said because he said, you remember, he said the only reason I wanted to buy Twitter is that it's going to accelerate my plan by like three to five years, he said, to just use Twitter. Right. So the the implication is that if he doesn't, if he gets out of buying Twitter, he'll start his own Twitter type of Yeah, he even company. mentioned like X.com, like <clears throat> the old vision for X.com. Uh, so, and he still has X.com, if you remember correctly. So, uh, yep. yeah, so it sounds like Twitter might become x.com if he's forced to buy it but it sounds like right what he he figured out is that you know what this three to five years acceleration of my plan is not worth 44 billion dollars <laughs> so he's trying to back out or get it cheaper and um and he's like might as well like if i'm gonna spend 45 billion dollars might as well just um build it from the ground up and it's gonna take a little bit longer but the way he was talking about X.com too and back in the PayPal days is that it sounds like he wants Twitter to be like more than just like a social media platform. He wants it to be like a payment platform and everything like that. And Twitter has had like, there was talk about that for a long time because of course, Jack Dorsey uh, started also Square, which is basically a payment platform. It's like, it sounded like he wanted to be integrated at first. And then he realized that Twitter was kind of of too big of a mess and (laughs) wisely set it up Square separately. All right. Uh, the other, yeah. yeah. Oh, I was just gonna say uh, the the Twitter thing is like a kind of a sideshow, but it it does seem like kind of an important uh, component because you know Elon kind of plays each company off of each other, and you know there's people who go from one organization to the next, and obviously uh, Tesla's PR, um, the public relations, has you know been through Twitter, which is mostly Elon's account, but it's it's pretty obvious that going forward there's going to be some sort of integration if there's a payment component that'll certainly you know you'll you'll be able to buy tesla gear with twitter money which is going to be dogecoin a lot of right dogecoin so it's all it's all it's it, it, i mean yeah. we need a twitter master plan or our x.com master plan or something from elon to 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 clear things up um, yeah, by the way, aren't we due for part three of the Yeah, he did say that it's, it was kind of delayed. I think it was maybe by the end of the month or something like that, or but he didn't want to make it clear, so I don't know. Hmm. All right, the other big maybe news this week, uh, well, there's not, there's not that big news other than the Senate actually passed the um, Inflation uh, Reduction Act. Uh, when it comes to the EV tax credit uh, reform, it, it basically stayed the same as the one we reported last week, so removal of the 200 uh, 200 units caps 
now over a 10-year period, uh, still the same restriction when it comes to income, 150,000 single filer, 300,000 for joint filers. Uh, same thing, uh, half of that for the use car credit uh, of $4,000. And um, also the same restriction in terms of the MSRP, $55,000 for a sedan, uh, $80,000 for SUV, pickup truck and vans, electric vans, of course. And um, and also all those restrictions for uh, the North American market. Though Jamie, uh, Jamie did find something interesting that uh, it, it sounds like the restriction for the North American assembly of the of the vehicles is being put into effect faster than everything else. So everything else is for the end of the year. Uh, when I say everything else, I mean uh, the percentage of the batteries uh, and the critical material, battery component and critical materials being from North America or countries that have a free trade agreement with the U.S. Basically not China is the big thing. <laughs> and uh, so that is coming at the end of the year, but the 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 not the requirement for the vehicle to be assembled in North America that the way that it's phrased in the bill make it sound like as soon as it becomes law that becomes law so it's not at the end of the year like the rest of the of the thing so for people because right now the the assumption was the seventy five hundred dollars for all the other companies that haven't reached their limit yet like Tesla Tesla and GM would still be into effect on the end of the year but that's only true if the car is built in North America. So it's not true for the Audis of this world, uh, Volkswagen of this world, other than the new ID4 that's uh, built in, in, in uh, uh, Chattanooga. Um, Volvo, Vol as we talked yeah, about. Yeah, Volvo, of course. Well, the C40. The C40 Recharge, which is built in uh, China. So a lot of vehicles might lose their tax credit as soon as this become law, which, as Jamie posted, that might be like as soon as next week, really, with... Uh, uh, the House is uh, believed to be a, a much less of an issue than the Senate uh, in terms of passing the, the bill. And, uh, of course, then Biden has to sign it, but uh, I don't think that's going to be an issue either. So literally, as soon as he signs it, maybe he's going to lose it. So what a lot of uh, companies have been doing is that at least Rivian, Fisker, and do we, do we, uh, did we note them all in there? Lucid. Lucid did it too. Lucid, Polestar, Hyundai. Uh, Genesis, Kia, Volkswagen, basically every foreign automaker is out there. Uh, yeah, Rivian, I don't know why. Rivian, I don't think it would change anything for... Uh, yeah, I don't think it would change anything. No, Rivians are expensive. Yeah, they're expensive anyway, and they are made in North America. They're so, over 80,000. 80, so and also, if you make if you make over 300,000, then you, yeah. you're going to... Or you know, your family makes over 300,000, then you're exactly. going to lose it. So what they're doing basically is uh, they are offering people to lock in their order right away instead of having a reservation. You lock in your order and that will allow you to, even if you don't get the delivery this year or by the end of the year uh, and the car is not made in North America, you're going to still get the, the, the tax credit, the, the old one or the current one. Right. So I have I have two things going on right now. Um, the, I have the Rivian, which I I did do the, uh, the signing of the uh, paperwork. So I'll... I'll no matter what happens theoretically I'll be able to get the 7500 back which is actually going to bring it down pretty low for an R1S so my, my it's a base model R1S I got it before the price hike so it's probably around 72000 uh and then I'm you know get the 7500 tax break then I get 2000 from New York so it, it's going to be a, about a $62000 uh you know out the door Rivian R1S, which yeah, I think is pretty good. good. Prompt. And then um, also I'm buying a Bolt, Chevy Bolt for my uh, mom in Ohio. Um, and that is actually happening like next week, which will be perfect timing for uh, Chevy because, you know, the Chevy Bolts are going to be pretty high demand because those are, I think, produced in Detroit. And they hit all the, the right spots for the uh But wouldn't, wouldn't that be just for, for next year, so, though? I'm not... That's what I'm not following. No, I think it, it it goes into effect once the bill is signed, right? My understanding is just the uh, requirements. Oh, mm -hmm. I, I don't know. The the goal to to get it before the bill is signed. No, you don't want it okay, before the well, bill is signed. You want, you want the Chevy Bolt after the bill is signed. Okay, so the, you get the new 
tax credit right away is just that it doesn't have to have a requirement of my understanding was like everything starts next year like the first day of january is that for the old tax credit the requirement for north american assembly starts when it's signed i might be getting this wrong though i'm not i don't know that's i i thought when it when it's once it's signed tesla and gm uh, and I guess Nissan or whoever else hit their Toyota uh, hit the hit the limit. The limit comes off, and then the new stipulations happen. So theoretically, GM should get their seventy five hundred tax credit back if they're built in the U.S. And okay, maybe they hit all the maybe. other spots. It's all a bit confusing. Everyone like that. If there's one word that describes this uh, tax credit reform is uh, is uh, EV tax credit reform is confusion because also. Uh, People just don't understand. We should make a flowchart. Well, to be honest, I think like even with the, the clearest possible eligibility criteria, a lot of the automakers themselves probably like don't know exactly if their cars are going to be valid when the when the entire uh, um, requirements come in place next year. Because like, do you, do you really know all the critical materials where they come from and everything? Like, it's especially the especially right, the automakers right. that don't make their own battery cells or are not really involved in the making of their own battery cells. It's it's going to be hard to to figure that out. I mean, I feel like they have to for the. I mean, every car has a you know how much is built mm-hmm. in the U.S. You know where where is everything coming from? So I feel like they've yeah. got a pretty good clue of where their stuff is coming from. But yeah, maybe it's not drilled down as hot as deep as they need to but go one thing is undoubtedly is that tesla is going to be the biggest winner of this just for model for sure. three and y production in the u.s that use the uh especially the model y because the model three like the problem with the model three is that they're using chinese batteries right now and uh for for not the, not for all of them just not the for the, all of them but i think model. only for the one that uh, is eligible right Oh, yeah, okay. only the standard range is eligible, and that's uh, that's uh, LFP cells from China. So that's right. that's definitely a problem. But if you look soon enough, Model Y out of uh, Gigafactory, um, te- Texas, and also Model Y of three months, those are going to be eligible if it's really considered an SUV, and the SUV eighty thousand dollar limit, and those are using cells from uh, Gigafactory Nevada. Uh, so depending on the critical material of that, I'm sure they can tweak this. It's, it has to be already pretty close, if not already okay. And I would assume that the 4680 cells for the new Model Y out of Texas, that's almost even more likely that's going to be uh, okay for for uh, the the crit- critical material. For, was it 40 percent uh, um, from from North America or countries that have free trade agreements? Because again, China has a lot of uh, those critical materials, but uh, free trade agreement include countries like Australia, which Tesla is getting a lot of uh, lithium and, and nickel from. Canada, of course, that has a lot of nickel. Nickel, so I think Tesla is in a very good position to uh, take most advantage of that, even though they don't. <laughs> well, they also make the most EVs. So. Yeah, yeah. The the, the 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 companies that have the highest production capacity in North America are the ones that are have the biggest advantage there. All right. Um, we talked about that a few weeks ago about autonomy or last month about autonomy, the EV subscription service based in uh, California that have uh, been mostly building a Tesla fleet. They were, they were planning to place an order for 23,000 electric vehicles. It's a giant order that's going to boost a lot of um, uh, some of the smaller EV uh, makers too. But now they released the details of that order, exactly where those cars are coming from. And uh, Tesla, sure enough, is still the biggest winner of that order 8,300 more vehicles but there's also uh, 3,400 from GM so they're going to order a lot of uh, Cadillac Lyric a lot of Silverado Electric from them uh, so 3,400 cars from uh, or vehicles from GM uh, the other big winners uh, there's uh, VW but that includes Porsche Audi and all that uh, the uh, 2,200 vehicles a hundred million dollar order from them and Ford also, so a lot of F-150 Lightning, a lot of Mustangs, Mackeys, uh, 1,800 of them. Hyundai, also one of the biggest winners with 1,600 order. About Hyundai, Kia together, actually, they, uh, they are uh, probably in second, third place with uh, 15, 
100 also from uh, Kia. But some of the smaller companies that are uh, doing well, also a thousand Rivian, so that's good for Rivian. But uh, some of the smaller companies like Canoo even got a hard, an order for 100 of them. Fisker, an order for 100. Um, Lucid, another for 100. Polestar, 200. So this is this is a kind of a significant buildup here. And uh, of course, autonomy, what, the way that they are framing themselves is like, this is like the cheapest way or the easiest and cheapest way to get uh, one of those vehicles. It's not as um, financially sound as just straight up owning the car, obviously, because they are going to make a lot of money simply by the resale value of those vehicles. But you can... Without a credit, uh, no, with a credit check, uh, you can get the vehicle for like I think six thousand dollars, and you you can you can get the car like in a week, uh, and uh, then it's gonna cost you like a thousand dollar a month uh, for for a model uh, Tesla Model Three. Uh, this is the example because that's mostly what's in their fleet right now. Though they are adding Model Ys, and the orders of eighty three uh, hundred um, Teslas uh, that includes Model 3, Model Y, but also the Model S, Model X, and even some Cybertruck whenever they, that becomes available. Oh, yeah, that was interesting, too. Like the, the criteria that they have to order that for autonomy is that uh, a range, an MSRP range between $26,000 and $122,000. Battery range of over 200. Crazy. Yeah, that's range. a crazy range, obviously, because they like the, they there's some GMC Hummers in there. Um, battery range of 250 miles. Telematics of fully connected uh, production forecast needs to be available by the end of 2023 and uh, residual value at the highest projected resale value. That's that's the, something that like I don't, I'm not like it's a bit harder to predict, especially for vehicles like Canoes or Fiskers. Like you have no idea to know these things are not even in the market yet. Uh, but there's 46 EV models right now, plus vi- more variants within those 46 models that fit those criterias right now in the U.S. or that will by the end of 2023. So I think that was uh, worth noting. Like the EV market is certainly expanding greatly in the U.S. right now. All right, we have a few more news items to discuss. And then I think the show is going to run long, uh, depending on how much question we have right now. Cause we, but uh, you can put your question in the comment section. We'll try to get to them in a few minutes. All right. Uh, Ford and Ford 50, they reopened the orders for the Lightning Uh the pre-orders, or no, the orders, their orders, right? And uh, with that, they updated some of the specs and the pricing. So, unsurprisingly, the pricing went up uh, between six thousand and uh, eight thousand five hundred dollars, depending on uh, the specific model. So, you go now the the pro version, which was four thousand dollars, is now uh, forty thousand dollars, is now forty seven thousand dollars, and it goes up to ninety six ninety seven thousand dollars for the platinum extended range. So now, in order for you to get the long range version of the of the vehicle, you have to pay at least eighty thousand dollars. So that this is uh, what is disappointing most people here. I think it used to be like seventy four thousand dollars to get the bigger battery pack. So now it's eight. But that also pushes you out of the uh, seventy five hundred dollar tax credit. Yeah, oh, that's a good too. point. Maybe you couldn't. Maybe they knew that they wouldn't fit the criterias anyway too. So. Uh, Right, and uh, so there's also a range increase. Uh, where is that? Uh, the the uh, the standard range goes from two thirty to two forty. Okay, two thirty to two forty. There you go. All right, Rivian posted their earnings last night, and um, I think that the, the real focus here is like the the Brav because we love the car, we love the vehicles from Rivian, uh, we love the company and everything, but. In order to be there long term, they have to become profitable or at least have positive gross margin on the vehicles so that they can have a sustainable uh, business operation. So the, we've been keeping a close eye on uh, their their burn rate, which is now up $1.7 billion last quarter. They, that's how much money they burned last quarter. And um, the real problem is their negative gross margin was, uh, was at $700 million. So that's... Uh, that's no joke. Uh, let me let me uh, go into the details. Yeah, we don't have the chart. Okay, so yeah, they they, they delivered a four thousand vehicles that brought in three hundred and sixty four million dollars, and to deliver those, it cost them a billion. So, a billion dollars to bring in three hundred and sixty four dollars, three hundred sixty four million dollars in revenue. So this is uh, quite significant. 
Also, I didn't go into uh, yeah the operating expenses. Do they were at a billion dollars? That's that's also I think I think we discussed that when we compare Lucid and and Tesla. Um, I should have told Peter to to make that comparison too because I think it's interesting. I think Tesla's operating expenses, if I'm not mistaken, are at 1.7 billion dollars a quarter. Uh, so Rivian at this. Tesla, sixteen billion dollars in revenue k- during that same time, and revenue is two hundred six uh, four million. You might want to kick your router. I think you're you're uh, coming in a little spotty right now. One over, I'll come back. No, I think it's okay. Uh, just uh, yeah, I'm I'm back on right now. Yeah, you're back on. So yeah, they still have fourteen billion dollars cash on hand. So they're still they're not, they're not at the verge of bankruptcy or anything, but they need to rein that in and rein cost in. Uh, improve gross margin relatively soon because i mean at 14 billion dollars well you're you're burning 1.7 billion dollar quarter sorry it sounds it sounds not too bad but it is bad like it, it goes faster than you think right i mean the other thing is like increased production and you can you know if you're if you're making a boatload of cars you're making a hundred thousand cars a quarter uh, then you can afford to spend that much money if you're making so, a positive gross margin increased production cut costs yeah but if you're making right gross, on the uh, on the vehicles, right on gross pro- gross profit on the if you're making negative, yeah. then you're losing money faster. The, 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 that's the problem. When Tesla right. was making as many vehicles as Rivian, they already had a positive gross margin. They were still losing money as a company, but at least they were making money on the cars that they were delivering. And Rivian is uh, nowhere near that right now, like nowhere near that. <laughs> All right, do you want to talk about the EQS set? Yeah. So. Um... Mercedes. So, you know, I had the BMW last week and the Bolt the week before that. The the place in New York that lends out vehicles keeps on saying, hey, I'm coming out to pick up the car. Do you want this next car? So, um, here, I'll add this to the stream. It seems like the internet connection is a little better right now. Um, so, this is, this is the one I was like, oh, yeah, I'll definitely take that. Um, so, the EQS is a $130,000 car. They gave me the 580 version, which is the all-wheel drive. They call it 4Matic. A version um and you can see it there next to a model y it's it's a pretty sleek looking car um you know they get a lot of uh smack talk for the looks of it and i agree on on screen it does look kind of like a you know a modern honda accordy kind of thing kind of plain but in person it you know maybe it was the the matte uh finish or something else but it seemed like a really nice car. Um, I didn't get people coming up to me like, you know, if I was driving a Rivian or, you know, a Plaid Model S in the in the beginning, you know, people approach you. I didn't get people approaching me in this one, um, which I kind of didn't expect because, you know, it kind of looks like a very sporty Mercedes. Um, but, you know, I, I think it looks much better in person. I think it's a, a, a really good looking car. Um, so inside the car, it's got this huge hyper display, they call it. And it's actually not a hyper display. It's three different displays under the same piece of glass. Um, you know, it's it's kind of a trick. Um, you know, it is what it is. What's kind of nice is the uh, passenger has a um, display. And theoretically, at some point in the future, right not right now, they could watch a movie while uh, the car is moving. Um, but right now, they can control air conditioning settings. They can control the massage settings, which is kind of hilarious that uh these cars have massage uh chairs in them um but you know overall it's just a really really luxurious modern uh interior um it's you know pretty nice all around uh you know some silly things like uh the rear has a tablet built into the the uh the armrest and they use a big uh you know old samsung tablet which seems like just put an ipad you know, you don't have to buy an iPad, but just put a place for an iPad in there, and you know you'll have a much better experience. It looks busy um, as hell, though the interior, like just the the steering wheel alone gives me a headache on how many buttons there's on that. Yeah, you know, um, it is actually uh, the top row of the is like a you know you have to swipe things, and you're you're right. I didn't put that in the review, but I I, I really didn't like the uh, the, the steering wheel. Uh, controls um that said it has like a uh heads up display uh which is fantastic especially with the mapping um and that they're going even further with that stuff they're doing like ar uh things uh 
which is really cool. Um, and you know, this is the first car in a while that I well, that I can remember where I actually thought the built-in navigation system was better than you know uh, CarPlay with Google Maps or whatever. Um, it just has so many features that are useful, including uh, navigation in the heads-up display. But also, it's got this AR stuff going on on the display uh, that. You know, it, it takes a video of the the road in front of you, and then it overlays the instructions onto reality. And what's cool about that is that that's also what is going to be in the heads up display. Uh, and when you know, in the next year or so, um, that's the thing that I got to test test out in Germany. Yeah. So you're actually looking at the road in front of you, and Mercedes is overlaying. Uh, directions on the road or in the case of drive pilot which is uh level three autonomy um it's telling you like hey there's a car in front of you we're going to go around it and it's using the reality of the car and it's saying i'm going around it and the fact that it can recognize cars in reality and, and point them out in virtual reality uh gives you a lot more confidence in the system so um, that's not on this car that I was driving. And DrivePilot 3 uh, requires more hardware, more GPS hardware, more cameras. So like this particular car is only going to be able to do level two stuff. and But it does that pretty well. It's just traffic aware, cruise control with lane keep. Um, so that was all great. I mean, the the big thing is how it drives. And it it, it drives like... A Mercedes, except even better because there's no internal combustion engine, there's no gears um, shifting, and that was kind of like the big point of my review is that, all right, this is such a good car as an EV, it makes it so much better, and that you know there's ten reasons why, you know, lu- an EV luxury car is better than a internal combustion luxury car, and it's so much better. In fact, that can you really call an internal combustion engine? car a luxury car because you're shifting through gears you can't turn the car on in your garage you can't do like 10 other things you know you don't have the smells and the vibration and the pollution and all the other stuff so my point is that you know pretty soon people are going to you know they're not going to think of internal combustion engine vehicles as luxury cars so that's my takeaway all right should uh we jump into the comments yep let me just do a quick uh time thing here all right. Uh, scrolling up, uh, our first commenter uh, was talking about the smear campaign. FSD is supposed to stand for full self-driving, which literally isn't. He thinks Tesla's fanboys have their undershorts in a bunch, get rid of the reality and stop stroking Elon. I mean, that's right. a fair comment. Other than uh, that doesn't justify like cheating a test to make it look bad. <laughs> just, that's it. Right. Well, that's the whole point. Call it Calling it out. All right. Uh, a lot of... No context comments here. I guess we're going to move down pretty far. All right, here we go. Question, Fred and Seth, what are your guesses on what year FSD full level level five will first be released in one jurisdiction? And also, where would you guess that this would happen first? Oh, boy, that's a hard one. <laughs> um, when, uh, I don't, first of all, level five, I don't see. Level four, maybe. Level five, uh, level five implies any kind of environment, any kind of like conditions and all that. And Tesla is not going to be able to do snow. It's not going to be able to do heavy rain either. either. Like it's, it's not, it's not made for that based on the current hardware. So level five, I think you can forget about that. Um, level four, maybe in two years in some jurisdiction where first, I don't know, probably some, some places in the U.S., I would assume, but uh, because that's where most of the testing has happened so far. Uh, so that would make most sense, probably in California or Nevada, one of the smaller states, maybe like Nevada or Texas. Arizona. Texas is not smaller, but Texas, of course, regulation, what's that? Not, right. All right, that seems reasonable. All right. Have either of you driven a Texas Model Y or seen credible impressions or reviews comparing a traditional Y to a structure to the structural pack? Nope, we haven't done that yet. And uh, now you have to be careful too, because some 
some of the wires coming out of Texas. Uh, well, they, they no, they might still have a structure. No, they, well, if they have like the structural pack is just the out or part of the pack because the structural pack, the the cells, the forty six eighty cells are required to make it a structural part. So even though they might have the author um, design of it, the it's not an actual. The pack itself is not structural. It's fit into that uh, with the twenty one seventy cells. So. You, you would need to figure out the way first that if you're, it's a Texas-built model Y, then is it the one with a 2170 or, or the 4680? Yeah, so I, I feel like I've seen a couple, uh, maybe the, the kilowatts or something, on Twitter uh, comparisons, but I don't think they uh, compared, uh, you know, like the drive or anything. I think it was mostly about the mm-hmm. charging uh, characteristics. So uh, we'll have to see. All right. Inflation Reduction Act has not been passed yet. Poised to pass the House in a few days. Uh, I think it could pass any moment. Um, We'll have to keep an eye on that. Uh, But it'll probably be signed. Most people think it'll be signed into law next week. All right. Uh, The opposition says that the subsidies in the Inflation Reduction Act allow only the wealthy to purchase electric vehicles since the sales prices are very high to begin with. Uh, I think you're not following at all here because the with the yeah, with the, the whole point. income limits, the rich really well. It always depends what you consider rich, but the very rich, at least, they are not going to have access to it at all. Uh, so I don't, right. and also all the like the mall S's, the Lucid, the 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 EQS that you just reviewed, like all of those are not going to be eligible anyway. So all the very luxury vehicles are not going to, yeah. and they shouldn't be. I mean, if you can afford a hundred thirty thousand dollar car, you don't need help. All right, uh, should be passed by the House by the end of today. All right, well, it's 5 p.m., so we'll see. Uh, Fisker sent me an email to let me know that my down payment was considered a down payment and binding contract. Yeah, uh, can you send us the binding contract, uh, Rick? I would would love to see it. It's pronounced Shinta, Shinta. not Skinta. Well, I just called him Rick. (laughs) I hope you don't mind. There you go. Uh, old tax credit remains, but once signed, if you don't have a binding contract, then new tax credit yeah, applies. All right. Uh, Philip Lavoie, question. The new U.S. tax credits threshold being 80000 for US for SUVs and pickups, do you think that might influence Canada and Quebec to increase their threshold for the vehicles in the, these vehicles in the future? That would be uh, me being hopeful and optimistic about it. If I, think that I, don't, I don't think that's going to influence much. Um, no, I don't see that happen. All right. Uh, your thoughts on, will Tesla and other EV companies allow more vehicle configurations to be eligible for EV rebate by delivering vehicles that are heavily software locked or, example, four motor cyber truck with battery locked, half battery and two motors to allow automakers to keep profit on the hardware of the buyer? I mean, we've seen Tesla do this in the past. Yeah, that's with, uh... with, in Canada. That 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 wouldn't surprise me at all. I don't know about half battery lux or anything like that. Like I don't like. I think uh, I think they're just gonna try to the the variants that are close but not quite there yet uh, in terms of eligibility. They're gonna maybe tweak things a little bit on that front. But uh, like I don't. I hope they don't because his name is David David Canada. So. I, I assume he's familiar with the Model Three that they start for a lock in Canada. That that one looked bad. Like that that was that that wasn't a good look for Tesla. Like uh, to to make it like I think the the software looked more than half of the battery capacity in order to achieve the the tax credit. Yeah, it was like under hundred yeah, miles. And then they sold it? like twenty of them, but they got a tax credit on the higher variant because of the way that the the, the law was set up is that the car needs to start at this lower price, but then the higher variant get access to the credit after that up to a certain price. So, so no one bought that car, but like Tesla, yeah, the credit on thousands and thousands of car that were much more expensive. So this, this is just like, I make it software lock, but make it so that people are actually buying that car. Like it can be software lock. And yes, maybe you, in the future, you can unlock it, whatever, but, don't don't make it a car and no one's going to buy it. That's that's that that's too much like uh, cheating to me. Yeah, it's annoying. I mean, it's annoying they have to, but I get it. All right, uh, moving on. Any comments on the Berlin made Model Ys getting BYD Blade batteries? Seems like these batteries are pretty legit now. Yeah, I mean, we reported on this this week. Uh, it was surprising. Everyone thought I was going to go to Gigafactory Shanghai since the BYD confirmed that they were going to supply batteries to Tesla, but they're actually apparently going to. 
um, to Berlin, and apparently they are getting approved soon for delivery. So it's gonna be interesting to see how it changes the specs and and whatnot of the vehicle. But uh, yeah, I mean the LFP battery technology has improved a lot now, so it makes sense. Uh, and and the blade format also uh, it it, it uh, goes very well with the structural battery pack architecture. So it, it makes it makes sense. All right, and uh, one last thing is Tesla has turned off ordering for long-range Model 3 in the U.S. Yeah, and Canada. Yeah, I just saw that. I got an email on that. I'm going to have to write that up real quick. Investigating. All right, we'll check on that right. check to see uh, that coming in a second and uh, our, what we think the implication are going to be. Oh, do we have one more? Uh, are you seeing anything that could apply to two or three electric, two or three vehicle wheel vehicles? Does that say the batteries have to be 7 kilowatt hours? which is low enough to come cover some electric motorcycles. You know what? Actually, I'm going to say tune in tomorrow. Uh, we're going to have the wheelie podcast on, and we're going to discuss that then. But I think the quick answer is like, right. no, right? They, they remove everything from motorcycle. No. no, no that's that's yeah. a bummer. Yeah, they should, they should be. Yeah, I mean, obviously, like motorcycles are not a big source of emission, so it's not like that big of a concern, but. It would be nice to have an incentive to go electric instead of a, a, a and for the three wheels. Can you imagine, like for Aptera, Aptera getting access to a to a tax credit? That would yeah. that would be killer. That that I would like too because that would put an either bigger focus on efficiency and like and really incentivize efficiency and um, and convince more people to like. There's compromise about getting an Aptera vehicle. There's no doubt about it. It's not a full full car, but with an incentive on top of it, I think more people would like, ah, oh, let's let's get an Aptera, and then like, yeah, you get a Tesla or a Mackey as your your car to 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 uh, for 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 like you're having kids or whatever. But if to go to work, Aptera makes a lot of sense, and to go on a road trip, maybe just where you're with your wife or whatever, you can fit the uh, luggage in the back. Like you get a super efficient road trip that you go on solar and everything. That's that's awesome. All right, well that, yep. that's it. They run for this week's episode. Uh, if you're still listening, we appreciate you a lot. I hope you have a safe weekend, and we're going to see you same time, same place next week.